All right, it is great to be with you today. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Nick Adams, and I am the youth pastor here at Lakeside Church. Uh, welcome to visitors, welcome to cottagers, sometimers, whoever you may be today. Uh, it's great to have you with us. Uh, it's been a busy week here in Halliburton. Just to bring you up to speed, there's been plenty of graduation uh, ceremonies. I was blessed to be a marshal at the Halliburton High graduation just on Wednesday. And uh, it is a, a time of pride, I hear, as I uh, listen to the media reports. And so I'm going to brag on a couple of our students here, and I'm going to embarrass them in front of 200 people here today. Uh, where did Rebecca... <laughs> All right, so we'll, we'll put, stick a pin in Rebecca for a second. Where's K- Caleb Schmidt? Stand up. Stand up. You, yeah, right there. This guy, valedictorian of the high school graduating class. Okay, sit down. <laughs> and he brought a great message uh, to his peers there. And uh, we're not going to embarrass Rebecca, but there is, we had another valedictorian, so re- we'll wait for her a second anyway. <laughs> Because I'll embarrass her. Um, it's, it was so cool being a part of that graduation because some of these these kids, these young adults who were graduating, I'd known for like 10 years, and you just seen them grow up. Uh, and some I had known for maybe just 10 months, and and some I, I had literally known for 10 minutes. So it was like meeting kids and saying, "Okay, you're this person," and then seeing them walk across the stage and and everybody with their you know cameras they actually brought cameras out that's how important an event it was it wasn't good enough just to have the phone to take pictures right you needed the good camera with the lens on it and everything um, it's cool as a ministry here at lakeside uh, so i've been on staff here for 18 months and so it's been great to see the ministry here and our reach expand. And I, I did some calculations, which are by no means like Ipsos Reed survey uh, results or anything. But I, I reckon that we've reached about a quarter of the teenagers in Halliburton already after 18 months, which is pretty good. 25% have come in direct contact to something that, like any of the programs we offer, uh, and which is neat. And so as we move forward, we seek out new ways as a ministry to continue to reach the youth uh, with this powerful message of who Jesus is and to start to guide kids down that road of discipleship. Summer, as you know, is busy here in Halliburton. Who's visiting? Like, who's visiting Halliburton this weekend or this week? Put up your hand. Wowzers. Yeah, awesome. Great to have you here. Um, that's still busy, though, right? Like, even though you're, you're here, it's still a busy time because you've got to make sure you get enough lake time. You've got to make sure you get enough you know, campfire time. You want to build those memories with the people you've been hanging out with for, again, 10 years or 10 months or 10 minutes. Um, Here's what I know about busyness, right? We are all planners, and, and even the poor planners, right, Dave, are, are, are planners, right? <laughs> he who used to write his sermon at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. was, I don't know, sure, it's 2 or 3 a.m., anyway. Um, but we are planners, and we make plans for the things that are priorities in our life, right? We make plans for the people who are closest to us. We make plans to do those things that we get entertainment value from. We are planners. So what I want you to do, maybe just for the next while while you're here, maybe when you're back at the, on the dock or when you're enjoying the rest of the day, uh, look at your own life and figure out uh, what good things that you're doing right now that are good for your emotional and spiritual health that you need to keep doing or what good things you maybe need to start and when's a good time to start it today. Who said that? Um, today, right? Um, And then look at those things that might not be so good, right? Take a look at the things that might be holding you back from having that life that God's called you to. Uh, The the emotional things you need to start doing or things for your own spiritual health that you need to start doing. And the good news is, is that the Holy Spirit's there to help you, right? 
So the Holy Spirit's already told you what you need to either start doing or stop doing, but you need to just listen to him, right, and allow him to transform you. Uh, I know for a fact there are people in this congregation that are struggling right now, whether it's uh, with physical ailments, health issues, whether it's emotional issues, uh, whether it's issues of addiction, all those things. We're here to support each other. Like, this is why God put all you people here together, right? It's to support each other, to encourage each other, to equip each other. And uh, it's up to you, you know, take that step. Take that important step forward and make yourself vulnerable to someone. Introduce yourself to someone and just be amazed to see what God will do. Um, Prayer is so important. We heard it from Dave, and what a great testimony to the power of prayer. And I mean, coming from a guy who should have known it, he got a full-out walk through by the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit walked him through exactly that comfort and what it looks like. Uh, for those of you around next Sunday after church, uh, and it's going to rain, so I'm sorry about that. So it's going to be a great time to spend the afternoon here with us in a concert of prayer. And so uh, that's a plug for my father-in-law, Jim Cowling, who is one of the, the elders at the church here and a great prayer warrior. Um, so next Sunday we're going to be praying. Uh, but you see, prayer is one part of it. We're also the hands and feet of Jesus, right? So it's not just good enough sometimes, as Dave said, to lay that prayer on somebody, to, you know, to just to bring the power of Jesus, on the name of Jesus on top of somebody and pray for them and then walk away and you've done nothing with your hands or feet to actually help them with that need. Uh, and so please continue to make time to serve one another uh, Sorry, just to back up a second. I just wanted to acknowledge our other valedictorian. Rebecca Archibald, please stand up. We're going to clap for you. <laughs> valedictorian of her grade 8 class at JDH. So that's amazing. And she'll be coming in to grade 9, and we're looking forward to welcoming her to uh, the riot and all the different programs that we have here at Lakeside for our high school youth. Um, just to keep on the busyness thing, I'm just going to just let you in on how busy I am. Uh, most months are busy for me. This month is kind of extra busy. Uh, things don't slow down for pastors and people in ministry usually. There's no off-season. Uh, and so this month, I'm spending three out of the five Sundays this month preaching. So today here, uh, next week, I've been asked to, to speak at a service at a church, a CBOQ church in Mississauga, which had the idea months and months ago... Uh, to do an outreach service. They wanted to reach the people in their community. They wanted to reach family members for Jesus. And so they came up with the great name of Seeker Sunday, which, I don't know about you, that's pretty... So <laughs> I met with the head pastor, and he said, we're going to change the name of Seeker Sunday. I'm like, oh, okay, that's, uh, what do you got? Super Sunday. I'm like, I'm there. I'm going to preach Super Sunday. That's awesome. So I'm going to be there next Sunday preaching uh, at a church that meets at a public school in Mississauga. And... Uh, the idea is that everyone invites their friends and their neighbors, and I preach, and a bunch of them come to Christ, and then we have barbecue afterwards. So I'm going to do my part um, and make that happen. Uh, two weeks after that, I'm going to be over at West Guilford, at West Guilford Baptist Church, uh, sharing the Word of God with that great congregation over there. And I'm not sure exactly what's wrong with them, because they keep inviting me back. And... Uh, <laughs> I keep going, and all, all of that to say this, is God has called me to do a specific work at a specific time here in this village. The only reason I'm standing here today speaking to you is that God called me to Halliburton, and the crazy thing is he called, called me to Halliburton even before I knew who he was. How awesome is that, right? And he led me on this journey, and I heard the word journey mentioned a few times already this morning, and we're going to talk about a little bit more about your journeys today. Uh, I don't do it perfectly every time. And there's probably people that could stand up and, and, and tell you that the problems that they might have had. But 
uh, I take this business of bringing God's word to you very seriously. And so I've spent enough time uh, wrestling through these passages and, and coming out with something hopefully to bring to each one of you today, uh, which is a challenge in itself. And I feel confident God does have something to teach each of you, whether you've been following God a hundred years like Where's Tinker? Hi. Hi, Ken. A hundred years, like some, uh, or maybe just a hundred months, or maybe a hundred days, or maybe it's literally this morning that you decided to make a decision for Jesus. He has something for every single one of us today. Before we go any further, uh, I just want to open in a word of prayer, and then we'll dive right into the scripture. (sighs) Hey, God. Thanks for today. Gosh, thanks that you gave us this day today, God, to come and worship you, uh, God, to come and fellowship with one another, God, to come and support each other and equip each other, and God, uh, to come here um, so that I might share your word. God, I pray that the words that I use, uh, God, would not come in the way of anybody understanding your truth. God, I pray by the power of your spirit uh, that you would reach out and touch every single heart here today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, if you've been with us, where's that little table, sorry, if you've been with us any length of time over the last few weeks, uh, you've known that we're studying the book of Colossians, awesome, right, did you read that on the front that I'm talking about Colossians, awesome, um, and we've had some great teaching, some great instruction coming out of this, uh, Father's Day message, great instruction for fathers uh, not to aggravate their children, which sometimes we may skip over that and just aggravate. Anybody, anyone aggravate their kids this weekend? Anybody? <laughs> um, and then we had this message last week about forgiveness, right? And, the, and that path of forgiveness and how it's something we need to walk out and make sure we've done it and we've done it right. Um, and so there are people that might need to listen to that sermon again, which is great because I'll just plug the podcast. So you can get it on the podcast or you can go right to mylakeside.ca and listen to that sermon last week on, on forgiveness. The message I am bringing to you today is from Colossians chapter 4, and we're going from verses 3 to 6. And I'm reading from the New International Version. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So... As Pastor Paul gave me this as my landing spot, he said just around the beginning of chapter 4 is where he was going to leave off. It, uh, it seems easy, right? It's just a small passage of scripture, but then as I wrestled through it, there's actually four messages in here. And I'm not going to bring each one in its completion, but it's gonna, so I'm going to save that for down the road when I have that nice country church when I'm a 65-year-old, retired, whatever God has in store for me. But anyway, um, the first part of this it ties into this thing we talked about already, and it's prayer, right? Uh, God's language, how we communicate with God is through this, this awesome thing called prayer. And, and the Apostle Paul says, pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message. And this is the part where I get to actually be selfish and say, pray for me. You know, please pray for me. Pray for us too. Pray for the people that are called as evangelists to bring this message of Christ to the rest of the world because thankfully you don't all have to do it. Like not everybody's called to go and evangelize and tell the truth of God. You know, that's just not a reality. We're all gifted differently. 
But it says here that Paul wants you to pray for us. And he's talking about those guys. They're out there spreading the word, growing these churches. Paul himself said in his letter to the church in Rome, he said, How can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Well, the rest of me might be ugly, but these feet, these are beautiful, all right? Because I'm carrying the gospel with these feet, right? I'm carrying the peace of the gospel. And so as a church, we need, for, we need to pray for God, it says in this, to open the door, right? To open the door so that people like myself or Pastor Paul or Pastor Ferdy, who's down in Mississauga, uh, that that door will be opened so we can bring this message of Christ so that we may equip and encourage each other or to speak to the unrepentant sinner's heart. So the challenge is to either continue in prayer for the leaders or for the evangelists or to begin to pray for those who are carrying this message. We need prayers not just to open the doors for for what we're saying as well. We need actual prayers from you as well because we're just regular human folk that are going through life and bumping into things like everyone else. So I thank you for those who are praying for me by name every day and I know there's people that are praying for me and I do value your prayers and I do need your prayers. Uh, In this case, Paul says to pray for us so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Now, there are those who love a good mystery. I don't know, are there any one of those voracious readers here that just just gobble up books all summer long? Oh, somebody's getting the nod there. Just put your hand on your hand. Sorry. You just know if you're a reader or not a reader, right? But but some people get engrossed in those mysteries, right? Some people get engrossed in those in those tales and the winding turns and the curves and the ups and the downs and you think it was somebody and it was somebody else. You know, Agatha Christie, Hitch, Hitchcock, any of these ones that can put together this mystery. And you know, uh, some say what, that, that art would imitate life, right? And if art does imitate life, then the mystery is this great vehicle to carry the message of Christ, okay? The mystery begins to ex- try to explain in an understandable format what this Jesus thing is all about. And so God uses mystery, the mystery of just life itself, the fact that we're all sitting here on this planet that's whizzing through space, spinning at a thousand miles an hour. He's using the fact that we're standing here and we have air to breathe and we have food to eat. Like, that's pretty mysterious in itself, right? God uses that mystery, that there is a God, to reveal another mystery, that he wants to have a relationship with man, to reveal another mystery. And this is the one Paul is talking about specifically here in this passage. The mystery of Christ, that it's not just for Jews, it's for Gentiles as well. It's for those of us who, another word for Gentile is infidels. Those who are unclean. Basically, anything that's not a Jew is just not a Jew, right? And so Paul is telling these people that the mystery that has been hidden is the fact that now salvation is for everyone, not just for Jews. And man, oh man, it was good news 2,000 years ago. It is super fantastic news today. That this salvation, this Jesus that we talk about, that we, that we worship, that we pray to, that has power in this life, it's for every single person on this planet. And that's cool. 
So that context of Scripture is that it is for everyone. So we can be clear on that. But I want to look at this mystery from a wide angle today with a couple of verses at the end to be our context. Why? Um, to see how we share this message of salvation with the people of Halliburton County, not just the, the people of Colossae. So we're praying for a way to make this, to proclaim this mystery of Christ. But there are these other huge mysteries that are sitting there before this one about Jews and Gentiles, right? There are tons of them. And I touched on one, creation, right? People can argue whether it was a big bang or not a big bang. You know, when God spoke everything into existence that we see today, I'm pretty sure it made a loud noise, right? And see, followers of Jesus don't have an issue with this. But somebody who doesn't know Jesus, who might not have had any insight at all that there is a God that loves and cares about them, this is a huge issue for them to start to wrestle with. This mystery of like, why? Like, why is all this stuff here? Who did this, right? Uh, Where did I come from? It's those basic things, those things that are buried in everyone's heart. Who am I? And even those who believe in Jesus are still at odds on how the whole thing works. It's still a bit of a mystery, right? The six days of creation... Was it six literal days? Was it thousands of thousands of thousands of years in each day? Do we live in a new earth? Do we live in an old earth? Those are great things you can get in discussions about over brownies and coffee on a Tuesday night with your friends, right? But it's like, it's not a core issue to believe that Jesus came and walked on this earth 2,000 years ago and died for the sins of the world. You can believe whatever you want about how the earth was moving around and different things were, were put on it. God's Word gives us a clear description, and I trust God's Word, right? So that's when you back up a bit. You go, okay, I trust that, right? And you get this mystery called faith. Like, that's a mystery too, right? To believe in something and to give that power. I mean, because anyone who says they've got it all figured out is, is welcome to discuss any of the great mysteries still around creation. I mean, I still kind of lie awake sometimes and say, why do men have nipples? You know, like that's just, for me, that's just a crazy... Yeah, I said nipples in church, all right? It's not a big deal. Just, <laughs> all right? But this is the thing, it's mystery, right? And, and we're going through life with our, with our magnifying glass. And our iPhones, right? But, but our magnifying glass... Looking for clues. And the people that aren't, that are the outsiders, right, that I'm going to talk about in a second, the people who are outside of these walls, they've got all kinds of questions. So we've got to somehow get them to the Jesus thing, right? Because the Jesus thing is what we all got to agree on at some point. Um, God's Word, that's a mystery, right? As we hold up God's Word and we say, this is the Word of God. It's a book like no other, though, right? written by 40 different authors over a period of like 1,500 years, and it's still around today. The last chapter written like 2,000 years ago, and we're still looking at it today. We're still getting truth. That's a, that's a crazy book, right? And it's a mystery. And you see, without the Holy Spirit living inside of you, conforming you to the truth of God, you're just going to be skeptical, right? And skepticism is okay because everybody needs to come from a position of not knowing before they come to knowing. And when it comes to Jesus, the person of Jesus Christ, I mean, you can start loading up the mysteries upon mysteries here, right? Born to a virgin. Mystery. Mystery, right? It tells us in Scripture what happened, but it's wrapping your head around that. That's, that's mystery, right? Son of God. Mystery. All those who believe in him will become sons of God. Mystery. 
right? John lays that out, chapter 1. All those who believe will become children of God. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We did communion, right, to remember the shed blood. But the mystery of how that actually works. A man dying for the sins of the world. Crazy. So people say, how on earth do I believe that? And you see, even when Jesus was walking around teaching his disciples all of this crazy teaching, which was full of mystery, they said to him, increase our faith, because it was hard teaching. And so today we need to say to God as we pray, God, increase my faith. Give me a greater understanding of some of these mysteries so that I can share your love with other people, because that's the walking and talking of our lives, right? The walking and talking of our lives is how we witness to our great and wonderful Savior. You see, God is drawing men and women back to him. He's doing that, right? It's happening. We don't have to doubt that. The good news is being shared with people all over the world in hundreds of languages. It's being shared to people who who are deaf. It's being shared with people who are blind. Uh, It's being (laughs) shared with people who are stubborn and hard-hearted. And this story is going to go on and on and on and on and on and on until he comes back, right? Because we have that ending. So we can't let our fear and doubt and uncertainty get, away, get in our way of proclaiming this mystery of Christ. And so we need to proclaim this clearly as well. Because, right? Here's the reason. We need to be wise in the way... We act towards outsiders. Paul says, be, well, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. What does that mean, to be wise in the way that we act towards outsiders? Now, outsiders and visitors are different. You're visiting our church today. You know, you're not going to find a, 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 a place in this county that you're going to feel more welcome, more loved, hear the word of God preached. Um, you're not outsiders if you know Jesus. You're visiting this church. You're just coming into fellowship with us for a day or a week or a month. Outsiders are the ones that are like outside, right? That just don't know Jesus. And what does that look like in a practical 21st century setting about dealing with outsiders? I'm pretty sure it doesn't mean greeting them with a shotgun or an assault weapon at the gates of our commune where we've locked all of our Christians away because the world is such an evil place, right? Like, that's not how we're called to deal with outsiders. I'm wondering if we got more communication or we're able to talk with more people from the persecuted churches in places like Saudi Arabia or Somalia or China or Iran about practicing this wisdom in acting towards outsiders if we'd have a better idea of what it looks like. Because those people, their lives are threatened by the mention of the name Jesus Christ. So how do they share the mystery with people they come into contact with? I think these people over time have, have learned this, this way of showing Jesus to people without using words. And there's a quote that's falsely attributed to St. Francis Assisi, and it's something to the effect of, uh, preach the gospel to everyone you meet, and when absolutely necessary, use words. Okay, well, it's, it's, an, untrue, <laughs> it's an untrue quote, because it doesn't come from Francis, right? But there is some truth in there, that we need to show the love of Christ to people through our actions, through our interactions with them. Because I'm fairly certain that in those persecuted countries, 
people aren't coming to meet somebody they've never met before and then just start quoting scripture chapter and verse to that person. Right? I'm pretty sure that doesn't happen because there'd be real severe consequences or the threat of consequences. And that doesn't make that person a Jesus denier, right? There isn't this idea, well, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you, and my Father will deny you in heaven. That's not what that scripture means. That's, that's, that's not what it means, right? We need to build relationship with people. And we build relationship by sharing commonalities, right? Finding common ground with each other. This isn't a watering down of the gospel, okay? This isn't watering down God's word. That's what Jesus came to do, right? Jesus said, I didn't come, I didn't come to save the, I, I came to save the sick, right? I came to save the sinner. And so, we need to be wise how we act towards outsiders and do make the most of every opportunity. It says here as well that let our conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Just that last part. So that you may know how to answer everyone. Not just the people who are like-minded, right? That you get into those little theological tug-of-wars with about, you know, what does this passage mean? Know how to answer everyone. It says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. There's the recipe, right? Grace, salt. Let's break this down to see how this might infect our interactions with others. Because if we're dealing with outsiders with grace, it actually makes us look at how we deal with insiders as well with grace, right? The grace we show to each other, our brothers and sisters in Christ, how graceful we are in our dealings. Jesus said we're to be salt and light. And if the light within us is the grace of God that we carry, we need to look carefully at what that salt is because salt can do good or bad depending on how you use it. You see, a seasoning should be used to make things taste better, right? And salt's an interesting seasoning because not only does it make food taste better, I mean, can you imagine McDonald's french fries without salt on them? Can you imagine? (laughs) My goodness. But salt also preserves so this seasoning that, of salt can actually prevent food from going rancid. And in our situation, it might help us prevent our words that we speak from becoming rancid to someone else. Salt has this incredible ability to melt ice. We know that far too well up here in Halliburton, right? And we can use this salt that we season our conversations with to melt the icy cold hearts of people we come into contact with. But then as a builder once taught me, salt can actually destroy concrete. It can destroy foundations. If salt gets in there, it actually has the power to destroy concrete and foundations. So we need to be careful of how we use our salt, the salt that we are. You see, if you look at the ingredients on your water, usually it'll have a little sodium in there. Yeah, 1% sodium, 25 milligrams. Awesome. That makes it good, right? Too much salt and water? Not good, right? Not good at all. Brings death, right? It doesn't bring life. It'll bring death. We don't have to get caught up in every situation that we enter into thinking we need to be the ones to declare 
God's truth and God's righteousness to every single person that we meet by taking our salt and just spraying it all over them, right? Somebody might be really wounded. What happens when you put salt in the wound? Ouch. Oh, man. But remember, it's not our job to change people's hearts. Our job is to show the light of Jesus to people, right? Through our actions and through our words and interactions with people. The Holy Spirit is the one that's going to change hearts. It's going to invade people's hearts and change people from the inside out. God's doing that. But we have this responsibility that we have to know how to answer everyone. Right? No pressure there. Just everyone. Just everyone you have to answer. I think this is why so many people are terrified about sharing their simple faith with people. It's because they think they don't have the answer, right, to all those questions. All you need to do is share with someone what God has done in your life. I think it was Billy Graham who said, anyone will listen to your story, right? If you sit down and talk to someone, they'll listen to your story. You see, the world out there is now hypersensitive to the reality that a group of Christians out there have gotten enough publicity to make it seem like all of us are a bunch of idiots. All right? Some of our brothers and sisters in Christ have been spreading salt around like it's going out of style. And while they say they're proclaiming God's truth, and this is God's word says this, and this particular act is an abomination and all that stuff, We're pushing people further and further away from the grace of God that's available. Because remember, Jesus died for all. He died for me and you the same as he died for all the people who are walking in a parade today. And so, how do we share the love of Christ with those? Without being condemning or being judgmental. Because that's what everyone usually says about church, is we're we're judgmental, right? There's too many hypocrites in here. Let's not be hypocrites. This wasn't the first issue either, just talking about same-sex attraction that has caused divides, right? I think if we look back even 50 years, maybe even less, a big issue in the church was divorce, right? God's word says this about divorce, people would say. And so they would then turn the person who's a divorcee into an outcast, right? We shouldn't be doing that. Or what about people who have... Uh, either had an abortion or, uh, or thinking of having an abortion. The church sometimes gives a clear message to them about how wrong that is and how evil that is because life is sacred. And while life is sacred, we need to have care and concern for that individual who's going through that terrible, terrible time in their life. Not cast them out of the body, but figure out a way to embrace them in the body. See, we need to know how to answer these people without just saying, well, the Bible says that because the Bible does say that. But you don't know what the sin is that's really wrapping that person up in knots, right? You have no idea of the hurt that another individual might be suffering from. And so what you see with your eyes or what you hear with your ears might not be a true reflection of that person's heart because there's only one sin when it comes down to it, that's going to keep people out of heaven. Only one. Unbelief. Unbelief. Okay? Jesus himself said, 
He's going to prove, the, the Holy Spirit's going to come and prove the world to be wrong about sin because man does not believe in me. It's the only thing at the end of the day that when the book of life is opened, you either had Jesus or you didn't, right? Had him, accepted him, or you didn't. Some people may never give Christ a chance because they've been so turned off by every Christian they've ever met. That's a bad witness. Mahatma Gandhi, not a Christian. He's credited as having this saying. He said, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And while our faith or our salvation is not built around our like for Christ, but our submission to him, the message is clear. If we're carrying this message, we need to always be full of grace. So the question for you today, the takeaway as I close, how full of grace can you make your conversations? It's your challenge. That's your homework for the week. How full of grace can you make your conversations? I find a good yardstick is when you get to the yeah, but part of your conversation, right? The yeah, but part of what you want to share with somebody. You know that yeah, but where everything seems fine, but then you just think that needs to be said, right? Instead of the yeah, but, why not use some more grace? Why don't you just throw some more grace in there? You see, we want the alcoholics cured, right? We want that. We want the thieves to stop stealing. We want that. We want the fornicators to stop fornicating. We want that. God wants all those things too, right? The inability of any one person at one time to cease and desist that vulgar sin, though, does not, uh, the sin that you have such a problem with does not disqualify them from God's grace. So what you need to do is take all your yeah buts, all your hold ons, all of your what ifs, all of your suppose, and get rid of them. And try and allow the truth of the gospel, the real gospel, to come through in your interactions with people who need grace. The grace that you have, they need it so desperately. You see, I've, I've learned, I think, that we don't make hungry people better by starving them. You don't make thirsty people better by withholding water. And our message, it is great that we're, we're talking about living water ambassadors today a little bit. Our message is like a cup of fresh water to someone dying of thirst. So be careful how much salt you put in that. You need to take comfort in the fact that God is going to do the hard work, the heavy lifting. He's going to do it behind the scenes usually. You don't get to see it. But he's doing it. And all you need to do is be open to the Holy Spirit's leading in your own life where you can minister and administer God's grace to someone. Let's pray. Hey, God, uh, those words are for me as well, God. And so I thank you. I thank you for, through that process of, of me uh, trying to honor you, God, that you've, uh, you've spoken to my heart. And I thank you for that. God, I just pray that some part of this just settles on each person's heart who's here today. And God, that we try and practice these things in all of our interactions with people. The challenge of how graceful can, can we be in the view of the grace that you've so freely given us, God. We didn't deserve it. 
but you gave it. And someone we're talking to may not deserve that grace, but let's just try giving it to them. Let's just see what happens. God, as each person goes here today, I just pray that your love will continue to guide them, God. God, that when they need you, they'll turn to you, not turn away. And that they follow the leading of your spirit that's living within them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.